Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. It's again, it's Saturday afternoon here. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. And to kick this one off, we're going to start off talking about a video I just put up on YouTube because a couple of people asked me to address it also on the podcast, although it's meant to be more a visual thing. But uh, the one thing I'm loving about this now is, again, I've alluded to this before, that when I first started the podcast, I figured the majority of people that would find the podcast would do so from my website or from my videos. Well, that's not the case anymore. I have a lot of people that just listen to the podcast. It's found an audience of its own, which is amazing because when I first started off, it was just with the website. And I think a lot of – I have three totally different avenues now, three totally different types of media – to get information out there. There's the website for some things are just better to present in written form. However, once upon a time, I was sitting there looking at, you know, I was writing an article, I was trying to demonstrate something, I was shooting these crummy little videos that I would throw up on YouTube. I had a YouTube account, I think, set up in like 2011 so I could comment on something, but I was throwing them up there more just to use them as a supplement for my actual website. As a matter of fact, I believe the YouTube channel, it says it's a supplement to my website because it was never meant to be the main draw. It was supposed to be a spot where I could go, hey, I'm going to do some rehousings. This is how I do them. And here are some videos featuring me doing the rehousings. However, I soon realized that I could find a larger audience there because people don't always have the time to sit down and read the articles. Uh, A lot of people, you know, in today's day and age with technology being the way it is, a lot of people don't do a lot of reading anymore. So to ask them to sit down and read what could tend to be wordy articles, I tend to write, you know, I I try to shoot for around a thousand words or so, which seems to be, you know, short enough that most people can sit down and digest it and keep their attention. However, some of them were getting rather long. So to do a video, it gave me another avenue. Because now we have pictures. Now we have, you know, me talking. We have the actual spiders. You can see what you're looking at. Again, I always wanted the visual representation of the animal when I did the articles anyway. A lot of times I would wait to put up care guides until I could get a good photo of the spider. Because I figure people don't just want to read words. They want to see what this thing looks like. So that often meant that I would have to wait to put up. I'd have things written, but I was waiting to get a good picture to put up with the article. With the YouTube channel, obviously that blew up more than I have. I'm looking at it now. My daughter was usually the one to come down and go, what, how many subscribers you got? I don't care about that. It was never meant to be. As a matter of fact, the only reason my full name got out is because I hooked my YouTube channel up to Google Plus or whatever. The Google tried to do that, like their version of Facebook, and I had signed up for it a while ago. And I tried to change the name on my YouTube channel to Tom's Big Spiders. Unfortunately, when I hooked it up, it came up Tom Moran. So suddenly my name was out there. So this was never about me becoming, you know, hate the term even internet famous or anything like that. I just, I like to teach and it's just a way to experiment with some of the formats. I even use some of the stuff now with my students. I do a reading class for kids that really don't like to read at all. And I've, I have short stories I've picked up over the courses of the years. I have ones I've written to specifically illustrate certain things like foreshadowing, suspense, whatever. And now I'm starting to do audio formats of them. So for the kids that miss the class discussions, I can do, I sit there, I put on the same equipment that I used to do my podcast and I can do an audio version of the book and try to do my best job, you know, voice acting it out. And so that way, if the kids miss the class, they can go read along with the actual audio version of it. So it's it's kind of a way to just extend my teaching. But anyway, now I've realized with the podcast, the great thing about the podcast is one of the comments... <laughs> I don't get a lot of negative comments on my YouTube page, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. I've seen I was on a YouTube group, a Facebook group with a bunch of YouTubers, and some of the things that they would, you know, the comments they received from people are just downright nasty. And I've been very fortunate that I get a few here and there, and the majority, like if I were to tally the top negative comment I get is something along the lines, and I got one this morning. I woke up, first comment, dude, you're boring. 
Well, good. I don't care. I'm not trying to attract you then. Apparently, you're not my audience, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm not out there to try to do things to get people's attention. I've had people go, you know, hey, you didn't get a good shot of this spider. Why don't you just stick something down there and drive the spider out so you can get a picture? I don't do that. That's not what I'm there for. I don't care. The people that tend to enjoy my stuff are the ones that are trying to learn about it, and you guys are the people I really want to talk to. I don't want – I really don't have a need – for somebody that just doesn't have any interest in spiders to come on and get a cheap thrill by watching them on my videos. That's not what I'm there for. So a lot of my stuff I try to do is, is gauge should be educational. Billy and I have sat down, we've had discussions and laughed about what it would take, like if we went off and tried to do some of the more, you know, youtube type things to increase your audience. Just as a joke, it's never going to happen. I have people go, please don't ever change. Trust me, I'm not going to change. This is what I'm doing. I'm comfortable with it. I'm happy with it. I couldn't be more happy with the response I've gotten from all three venues. It's very satisfying because I know... I have an audience out there, so it makes it worthwhile to do this stuff. But anyway, going back to my original point, I wasn't going to address that here, but some people said, hey, we, we like the, you know, the podcast. Could you address it there as well? Because I did post this video up on Facebook. I normally don't do that. But I had an idea a while back, and this started where I did a poster that was tarantula. Yes, tarantulas are beautiful, and I tried to put them in rainbow order. I have an art background. I have an obsession with putting things in rainbow order. I was, used to be the geeky little kid that you get the box of crayons, and they were all in rainbow order. I love doing that. Um, I can't believe I'm about to admit this, but my sister at the time, this probably dates me, had my little ponies, uh, the old ones, not the new ones now. I know they're still around. We have bronies and all that stuff, but back in the day, I was an original brony because she'd have shells with my little ponies, and I put them all in rainbow order, and for some reason, that drove her nuts, so she'd mix them all up, and i go back in her room. i put them all in rainbow order. It's a weird little kid. But anyway, I decided to try to get, do a rainbow with the colors of spiders I have. And I'm fortunate that I've had a very diverse collection. I have a lot of animals, a lot of different colors. So I did one for the poster and I'm like, man, wouldn't this be cool if I could do this as a video? Because one of the big things I found when talking to people about tarantulas, and it, it never occurred to me until fairly recently where I was talking to people and I work as a teacher and one of the kids told one of the teachers that I have a YouTube channel and of course they pulled it up and probably made fun of it and whatever. And they're like, I don't get it. You have, you know, spider, what do you do with them? Do you just stare at brown spiders all day long? And I keyed in on the word brown. I'm like, what do you mean brown spiders? They're not all brown spiders. And like, well, what do you mean? So I, I whipped out my cell phone and started showing pictures of some of the blue ones and it blew their mind. Like all of a sudden, like, you know, I know they're spiders and they're creepy, but oh my God, that really is gorgeous. Like I have to admit, I'm like, thank you. But then I realized, you know, a lot of folks don't realize the myriad of colors they come in. They, they're picturing when you say tarantula, to most people, they're picturing, and I hate to say it because I'm about to do a list in a minute, and you'll see I, I there's I have only love for this species, but they picture like a G. Porteri. They picture a fuzzy brown spider. They picture just a big, giant brown spider. Some of them have seen a bird eater, a big, giant, scary brown spider. They don't realize the patterns, the colors. It's just amazing. So I started thinking, all right, I've got this poster and I did it on like, I can't remember the thing. I put it up for sale only for fun. I think like three people bought it, but it was more like I, I was putting, I was making it for myself and I do have one of the posters here. I've never put it up. I got, I looked at it and went, oh, it's pretty cool. And I forgot to put it up, but I kind of put it out to the public and anybody wanted to pick one up because I thought it came out kind of cool and there was bumper stickers and stuff. But I thought, wouldn't it be cool if 
we could put together a video or I could put together a video so that when folks sit there or like, you know, I've had people go, how can I explain to my wife that, uh, who hates spiders, that they're really cool and that I love them. And I've always do the, well, show her pictures of the blue ones. The blue ones seem to get everybody. The blue ones attract everybody to the hobby. I'll be, I'll admit I was a sucker for the blue ones when I first sat down, Billy and I, I'll never forget it. You know, talk about profound moments. You don't realize how major they're going to be. At the time, I sat down. I had my Jeeper Terry. We were talking about how long we had had her and how sad it would be when she would eventually pass away. And I was like, you know, let me hop online and see where I would, if I wanted to get another tarantula, how would I get one? Because we have a thing like, I love my dogs to death. I, they're like my babies, but if one of my dogs die, there's usually two ways to go. Your dog dies, you don't get another dog, you're too heartbroken, you mourn it. For me, it's we remember the good dogs. We talk about them. We have the Moran Dog Hall of Fame, which is a running joke because every single dog we've ever had is in it. And we're always talking about good times we had with them and how awesome they are. So they're always in our memories. But part of our healing process is the excitement of picking a new member of our family. So, we, you know, we lose one. God forbid we go out and we immediately go on to find the next little weirdo that we're going to pull into this house. So I'm kind of the same way with my pets. If you lose one, then it's like, all right, I'm, I'm very obviously I'm very upset about it. I don't want it to be like, oh, man, well, moving on. But part of my getting over it is getting other ones. So we started thinking about the G. Terry who had been with us since we got married. And or before we got married, we were living in sin. Oops. And we were really kind of depressed thinking about it going. So I, I sat down and started looking at them. And I remember seeing the blue tarantulas and I thought they were fake. I'm like, it's impossible. I've never seen this before. So that's always been the back of my mind when I try to convince other folks that aren't into the hobby that they can be beautiful and cool. So with that in mind, I about eh, probably about a year and a half ago sat down and started Started to put together a video with it, but I was having a very difficult time. I didn't have that time. I really didn't have anything that was red. I was thinking of using my Nandu Chromatis because her booty is quite red, and unfortunately, she was in between molts and she had washed out. I was trying to get P. Sosme, and of course, those were also looking washed out and in need of a molt. So it was. I was getting like footage here and there and some of the older stuff I had. I had a Pamphibetia species Duran that I wanted to use for purple. It was a male. It was probably the most stunning spider I've ever had. Just the animal's glorious. And he had long since passed and I only had kind of crummy video that I couldn't find and some good pictures. So I kind of shelved it. And... Recently, I started my summer vacation. I wanted to kick off the videos by doing something fun. And again, I always try to do the educational ones, but every once in a while, I'll do kind of a fan one or some bubble gummy like a list or a feeding video. I don't do a lot of feeding videos. In this case, I really wanted to pull this video together because somebody had just emailed me and said, listen, I'm trying to convince my significant other to let me get a couple tarantulas. What can I do? And I'm like, man, if I just had like a video and said, you know what? Just throw this link on, Throw this, take this link, throw this video on and watch it. I think it'll help. So I sat down to put it together. And it took a while to come up with. I, I tell you, it was one of those ones that it, it was biting off a little more than I could chew, I think, at first. Because I was really struggling to get footage of all the ones I wanted. And again, a lot of it, it came down to me realizing I have a huge backlog of videos and stuff I've done. So if it came down to it, I could pull old footage. And I don't like recycling footage because I feel bad for people that have seen a lot of my videos. It's like, all right, I don't care enough to produce new stuff. But in this case, I think it was warranted because some of them I didn't have anymore. Some of them I just wasn't going to be able to get good pictures of. And then some of the ones I was trying to get photos of and some video of the last time I went to attempt this were out and about or were looking amazing. So for example, my Formictopus Aratus had molted recently and is just amazingly gorgeous. And so that was one right off the bat that I could add to the list. So I started putting this one together. And the first day was pretty much spent just trying to figure out which species I wanted to feature and which ones I could find either photos or clips of. And I have like 
files upon files of videos and pictures on my phone, on my computer. So that took, <laughs> it was a good eight hour day just finding all the videos and then finally got together the list. So the ones I included for people that are interested, and I will put a link to this video in, and I know some of y'all don't watch the videos, I completely understand, but if there's a video you check out, this would probably be the one, it's, there's a little bit of me, okay, I'm talking through the whole thing, I, I can't help but do the talking, I tried this one with music, but the music I would have chosen would have not fit with a lot of my audience, because I tend to like harder stuff, and then I tried to find some like new age stuff, and then I even broke out Enigma, I don't know if anybody remembers that band, but I'm like, I'll put some Enigma in the background, but then it just seemed a bit too sexy for a spider video, although I guess it would have fit, because they were pretty spiders. So I decided to talk like I usually do. So you can always mute it if you don't feel like listening to me talk, but I have a funny feeling anybody that's coming from the podcast is going to be fairly used to hearing me blab. So the ones I worked with were Therophos and I species Panama for the red, the lava spider worked out perfectly. I had the OBT for more of an orange. I had H poker peas for gold E. Pachypus, also gold. I never catch those ones out. I love those little guys, and I never catch the little boogers out. And I got some photos that I use for that. For Mictopus erratus, for gold. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I got some beautiful shots video of that one. Uh, for Mictopus species green, uh, femur, which also had the gold carapace, so we segued into green, and then full green, then... Uh, Pisletheria rufalata, obviously green. Couldn't get the video of her wasn't as great, but I got a good still shot of her. GBB or C. Cyanio pubicens, D. diamantiensis for the blue, P. sosme again for blue, P. metallica of course for blue, C. lividus. Uh, I have footage of my female from the rehouse and some photos of that I use. M. balfouri of course can't do blue without the M. balfouri. Um, L. velocipes. And unfortunately, I had very limited footage of her because I've literally only caught her out in about twice in about four years' time, maybe even longer. Then I did for Mictopus, species Dominican Violet, obviously moving into the purples and violets. Uh, Pamphibedius species Duran. And then H. Divamatha. And I also had C. Versicolor in there. I ended up using some of the footage I had of my female with her babies, and I put it in in the blue section only because it was like a sea of blue with the babies. Although the spider themselves, when it's an adult, probably should have been toward the end with the purplish. But anyway, that was the list I put together. So I did little shots, including some videos and some still shots of those spiders kind of in rainbow order and posted up on my YouTube channel. And so far, the response has been good. But what I'm hoping is that people can use it for when they are trying to convince people that spiders can be beautiful. That's that's a big thing. And I think there's a big myth for people that aren't in the hobby that they are not particularly, they're pretty animals. So this video, I think more than drive, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. I don't know how much a video is worth, but I'm guessing, you know, you can times that by 10 or a hundred or whatever, but just seeing these guys in action, they're not just still photos that they can go, oh man, that's Photoshop. And I did purposely try to show them with natural lighting and with the good lighting that I can get. Usually when I take a photo, it's a little easier to set up the lights and everything and get a good, you know, high definition photo of them. But sometimes for the videos, you don't have the lights. And back in the day, I just used my camera light and didn't use, you know, any extra lighting. So you kind of get to see what they look like without the light and they're still beautiful. Uh, beautiful. So for example, my H. Polkerpies female, I included one of my juvenile who had just molted and had all the brilliant golds and the blues. And then I put one in with my female who had more muted color but she was still stunning nonetheless. So then you could see the difference because I do think a lot of people will see these and go, yeah, somebody just jacked up the contrast on them or somebody just jacked up the saturation. And that happens a lot. And that's a pet peeve of mine. I was on Instagram and I got to get back to Instagram. I don't 
think I've been on in like six months. But there was somebody that just kept pulling pictures from other tarantula people, jacking up the contrast, jacking up the saturation, and going like, oh, look at this is a, I remember one of them was an M. Balfouri. And she had taken the male, I think it's a she, it might have been a dude. She had taken a picture of the male, a male about 40, that are already stunning animals. Blue legs, blue carapace. I mean, they're gorgeous. Jacked up the contrast and the saturation on it to the thing looked like it was glowing. It looked like it had been exposed to radiation or something. And I can't stand that because it gives folks that aren't in the hobby that fall for that. And then they, I've had people literally, like one of them had seen a picture that was a blowout of a piece Osme. And the thing, again, looked like it was glowing blue. And then you got the real thing. He's like, well, real thing, don't look like that at all these are dull these aren't blue and it it drives me nuts because it sets you know unrealistic expectations because these are gorgeous spiders regardless if they're super glowing in the dark blue or not so i tried to put you know the the still shots are easier and when i do you know occasionally you'll take a picture and you'll see the spider one way and you go to throw it up to post it and you realize your camera didn't do it justice mine tends to wash things out a bit so i do try to tweak them but only to the point they actually looks like the spider that I'm trying to take a photo of. So for example, if I tried to do the GBB once, I took a photo of it and it came out extra dark. You couldn't see it, even though from my naked eye when taking the picture, it, all the colors were popping. I'll adjust it a little bit, but I never try, I never go overboard. And more often than not, I try to keep just the picture that I've taken like raw without doing anything to it and saying, all right, here's what the spider looks like. So anyway, in the video, there's a combination of both video of them. Some, one of my favorite videos on it is I got video of a piece of Ethereum Metallica, my original female. And there's a photo of her that looks like the colors are just amazing. And then it segues right into an actual video. So there's not even light on her and she is the richest blue. The yellow on the, the banding is popping and there's no alteration that whatsoever. It's a video. So Anyhow, that video is done and posted, and so far the response has been quite good, and I'm hoping people will find it useful, because I know for a fact one of the reasons I put it together was to show folks, uh, you know, it happens all the time where people are like, ah, spiders are ugly, they're disgusting. I'm hoping this video will at least open the door, because usually what happens is all you need is for somebody to go, eh, you know, I gotta, I gotta admit that it's a spider, it's still creepy but it's pretty. That's opening a door. That's kind of, now you get more of the curiosity. And I've talked before about trying to win people over that don't like tarantulas. A lot of it is turning that fear into more of a curiosity. And there's no better way to do that, in my opinion, than to show how darn stunning they can be. Because think of it this way, when if, you know, for folks that don't get what we do, for us to turn around and go, oh my gosh, that spider is absolutely beautiful. That is such a foreign thing for many people to hear. It just sounds odd and super geeky. So you kind of have to convince them. So the video is done. It's up. Hopefully uh, people enjoy it. I had a lot of fun making it. I have people now asking me to do a part two that was never in the cards. It took me long enough to get this one done. And I don't know if I'd have a lot more, but I guess I can try to get more pictures of beautiful spiders and put something together. I also had people that I think kind of misunderstood the point of it because I tried to make it very clear this isn't a top 10 list or a top 20 list or I'm not saying these are the most beautiful spiders. The whole thing I did was just start with Roy G. Biv and try to come up with a spider or two for each of those, those colors and make it kind of go from I think I started with red all the way down to you know purple or violet. It wasn't supposed to be a top so I've had a best of list so I've had a couple people despite my cautioning saying I did not include even some of the ones I liked. I left some Brocky Pelma off I really wanted to include. 
my Bomi or Bami, however you want to pronounce it. I have some beautiful pictures of her after a moat resplendent with all her orange, and I didn't include her. So I left ones off that I love. I also wanted to include a black one and a white one at the end, but I could not find footage or pictures of my HMAX or any of my piece of Letheria that I could that I could stretch it out. So I left those off because my wife's favorite is the HMAC, and I think they're gorgeous, and they do have the white on them. And my son's favorite is the G Polkra who he absolutely adores because it's jet black. A lot of people like that one, and I didn't put that one on the list. So it wasn't supposed to be an all-inclusive list, but I woke up this morning, there were comments, hey, how could you leave this one off? And what about this? And none of these are represented. And it's just like, you just got to kind of shake your head and go, nope, I didn't. One of them, the guy got all offended because I didn't put on, oh God, what was it? It was a Salmapia species. And my answer was, sorry, I don't own one. Like, I, I try to make videos with things I own, and I, I didn't have one. But you can't please everybody. But anyway, so there's talking about that. I, I told a couple of people I would address it during the podcast. So again, I know for folks that don't normally watch the videos, if you can sneak in a moment and hop on your cell phone and pull it up, I think you'd enjoy it. I'd love to hear feedback. And then, you know, maybe we'll try a part two. I'm already thinking of maybe doing one with, you know, the black and white spiders and you know, trying one perhaps with the brown ones because I feel bad because I talk about them not being brown spiders. I happen to love brown spiders. Some of my favorite species are brown spiders. So I don't want this to come across. I don't like brown spiders at all. I had somebody come on. They're like, yeah, the hell with the brown spiders. I hate brown spiders. They suck. I was like, no, 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 that's not where I'm going with this. I love all my spiders. And the fact that'll lead up to what we're going to do in a moment. But for me, I know that for people that aren't in the hobby, they want to see the colors. They wanted the blue is the big one. And then if you can throw some purples in there and some oranges, you got them hooked. So that's what we tried to do. We'll see how it turns out and feedback. I've already had a couple people, one guy, which just made it all worthwhile. It sometimes only takes like one comment to really just go, you know what? I did something cool here. A guy said that his girlfriend doesn't like tarantulas and they sat down and watched this one together and she's she loved it she he wants me to do another one so that right there that's exactly why i did it if one person got the message then perfect job well done and i can be happy that i spent my first three days of my vacation working on that is well worth it so segueing from that to the next topic it looks like this is going to end up being a little longer one because i honestly only spent plan to spend about five minutes talking about that video and it went on for 21 but eh, long-winded so for the next topic i had a couple people that, that make comments and it's it's kind of a running joke on my YouTube channel that every time I feature a spider, I talk about or say something along the lines is this is one of my favorites. Now, if you go through and watch all the different spider videos I've done, all the different species I've covered, I probably say that for every single one of them. And the running joke is, you know, somebody came out, Tom, is there any spider in your collection that's not your favorite? And the answer, honestly, is no. I legitimately like every single species I've kept. If I'm being honest, there is one species I keep that I will always have one in my collection, but they're the one species that kind of bore me. I will never mention it, and I will, you guys can ask all you want. Nobody's ever going to figure it out, so you can guess, but I will never say which species this is. But there is one that, like, Billy knows because I talk about the fact that, you know, people go gaga over this one. I just don't get it. But I don't want to hurt people's feelings because I know people are very personal about the ones they like, and they tend to get offended when you say you don't like one. What do you mean you don't know it's got this and that? I, I, I completely understand. It's a matter of taste. And obviously, if we all had the same taste, this would be a very boring hobby. But there are some species that I love more than others, and I think what it comes down to, there are certain ones that might not even be, a, there's, a, there's a difference between my favorite species, my favorite genera, or just the favorite spiders in my collection. And so what I wanted to kind of cover today is some of the ones that have more sentimental value to me, like individual spiders in my collection that I, you know, just, I, for whatever reason, there's a soft place in my heart for them. 
So to be very clear about the parameters of this list, because if anybody that's followed me for a while in YouTube or even through the podcast, I have a love-hate relationship with lists. They're fun to put together sometimes, but maddening because I always leave something off it, maddening because people will take offense if you don't include something that they like. So I kind of, I enjoy doing them. I always have fun doing them. And then sometimes... I, I quickly go, oh, I forgot, like, one of my top, uh, list of my top favorite New World species, I left the GBB off. It was ridiculous. That completely negated any validity of that list right there. Uh, one time I did my top favorite Old World. Some guy came on and told me off because I didn't include the ones he liked. It was like, for crying out loud, buddy, it's just fun. Do your own list. I'll be more than happy to agree that those are cool species, too. This one is a list of particular spiders, individual spiders, individual specimens. So, for example... I may talk about I love horror movies overall, so that would be like your uh, genus, per se. This is talking about specific horror movies I absolutely love more than other ones. hope that makes sense. So, for example, I love horror movies. One of my favorite horror movies is, I don't know what I watched yesterday, The Witch. Uh, I love that movie. So, not my favorite, but just trying to show how I'm picking individual ones. Like, my favorite witch movie would be The Witch. I don't know. So, not necessarily talking about species. So, people are going to come on, I know, right away, like, oh, but your favorite genera is Pisolotheria, but Pokies are way up on the list. No, I'm talking about individual spiders that I just have a thing for. That sounds weird. But anyway, to kick this one off, we're going to go with number 10, which would be the P. Murinus or my OBT. I picked this one up as a sling. Uh, early on in my career, and my thought was I would grow with it, and it's funny because looking back when I first rehoused this thing, it was about a half inch long, and we treated it like it was some wild beast when we did the rehousing. Like, it was all hands, all the kids were out of the house, the dogs were out of the house, Billy was sitting there, like, standing behind me, my oldest son, who was you know, younger at the time, but in his teens was kind of standing back. I'm like, nobody get close. Nobody get close. We're going to get this one out into its closure. And I pop the top off and I, I take the piece of tissue out and this little teeny sling comes out and everybody's like, oh, there it is. There it is. Okay, be careful. It was ridiculous. Looking back at it, it was like that just shows that, you know, how much I've changed over the years because now I just do it and I take the top off, I put the thing out. But it was like, oh my God, it's the dreaded OBT. And so when I got that first thing rehoused, I'm covered in sweat. We get done. We're looking at this little tiny spider. It looks like something you find in your shower. And we're all like, oh man, woo, we did it. We did it. It's laughable now to look at it. But Part of the OBT, it's got this mythology around it where it's just this, you know, all the OBTs are just the most aggressive, and we covered that last one, tarantulas out there. The thing is, though, I love orange, so it didn't come down to, I was, it wasn't so much I wanted to sit there and go, yeah, you know, I'm kind of a big deal, I got an OBT in my collection. It was more, I loved orange and saw pictures, and this was one of the most stunning spiders I've ever seen. So my OBT was actually one of the slowest growing tarantulas I ever kept, and these seem to be, this seems to be a species that if you keep them in the 80s, you're going to get a much faster growth. At this time, I was keeping mine in the high 60s during the winter time. So this one took forever to get its orange colors. I had this little, like, it looked like a little milk chocolate spider for quite some time. It took several years to show its colors. The next rehouse, again, we're a little more confident. I'd done a lot since then, but it was still like, all right, this thing could go off. I basically, I think if I remember correctly, I took a pair of tongs. I picked up the cork bark with the webbing with the spider on it, set it in the new enclosure, and it just sat there. Guess what happened the third time? Exact same thing. I think that one I have video of. Just picked it up with the enclosure. She was perfectly fine. She has been a total sweetheart. Again, I found that if you give them some depth, they're fine, and they're not nearly as defensive, not aggressive, as people say they are. But I love this spider. It's one I'm very proud of. I got, you know, razor from a sling to a beautiful adult female, and just one that I get to see her quite a bit now. She's in a, I, I've got her thing positioned basically every morning. I get dressed in my tarantula room because that sounds weird, but I have a closet 
it's a spare bedroom and I have a closet where I keep all my clothes in it so Billy can have the upstairs closet. And so I, she's always there when I turn the lights on. I love seeing her. So that would have to be my number 10. My number nine would be my Formictopus Dominican Violet. I, I had a hard time with this one because I love all my Formictopus. I love my first peak cancerides that I got that I raised from slings. Those are the ones that got me hooked on the genus. But for my Dominican violet, there's just something about a violet spider. And I had, when I first started trying to get word out that Formictopus species should be looked at in the same high regard as Pamphibedias. At this point, everybody was looking for Xenthesis. I always mispronounce that. My whistling S's are probably killing people with earphones right now. And the Pamphibedias species were always the highly sought after. The females commanded hundreds of dollars. Everybody they talked about how pretty they were, but usually with Pamphibedias, it's the males that get the pretty colors. The females are brown or black or, you know, darker colors, which is fine. I still love that. But the Formictopus, I've found that some of the females keep those amazing colors. So you have the same type of thing. You have a large, fast-growing, you know, terrestrial, always out in the open spider with gorgeous coloration. So as I was trying to convince people that these needed a second look, we have a lot of people, what what makes these better than Pamphos? Well, I finally got my answer when I got my Formictopus Dominican Violet because I would go, what makes them, I would say not better than Pamphos, but on the same tier as a Pampho? Here's a photo of my Formictopus Dominican Violet. Here's a photo of the other one. Now you tell me, is this a type of spider you'd like to own? Is this beautiful? And most people would admit, yeah, I had no idea that one existed. And then I got into the Formictopus green and green femurs, and that one would be right up there with this one. I love showing pictures of those off. Like, yeah, you want to see a pretty spider? Here's a pretty big spider. One of my Formictopus greens is also huge now, probably close to seven and a half inches or so. So... Again, I don't want to say they're better than Pamphibedias. That's not what I'm trying to you know, push here. But I will say they should be considered. And in many cases, you can find them cheaper than Pamphibedias, which makes them pretty cool. Eighth place, and I had a really difficult time for this one because I had it high up as number two. And I, any of these could be in any different area. It's, it's kind of hard when I get my top ten. It always comes down to I pick my favorites. I usually have 15. I narrow it down to 10. And then it's like, my gosh, I knew who number one was. I knew who number two was. And I knew who number three was. And it got a little sketchy after that. But would be my Carabina Versicolor. Again, I picked this one up as a sling. And I've told the story often where I was thoroughly convinced that despite all of my research, I was somehow going to kill her with poor husbandry. And this was at a time where the majority of care sheets out there said you had to keep them super moist. And I got some advice from a, a guy who had bred them that's like, no, no, that ignore all that. The trick is to give them a water dish, keep them mostly dry, make sure they have good ventilation. So I remember all winter long, the first winter I had this sling, expecting to come in and find her dead. But Nope, she did great. This was one of also one of the only tarantulas I ever had the tong feed because she built a little web up in the corner of I had one of the Jamie's enclosures and I would drop a little roach, a red runner, you know, pinhead in at night, come in in the morning, it would still be there because she wouldn't come down to hunt. So what I started doing is opening the top, leaning it on its side, I'd take a pair of tweezers and hold it to the opening of her little funnel web and she'd come down and grab it. And it got to be the point where every time I fed her, I would open up the enclosure, lay it down, she'd be waiting right at the she knew it was coming, which was amazing to see for me because at this point I thought they were just, you know, dumb animals with no reasoning. And she was obviously conditioned. We'll say conditioned because I don't know if it's, you know, so much a learned thing, but she realized when the thing got tipped over on its side, food was coming. I'm going to wait for it. So she bloomed into a beautiful young lady. I actually bred her and got many babies and I still have one of the babies left. Hopefully it's a female. I haven't sexed it yet. 
but just a stunning spider, real, you know, gorgeous animal. Unfortunately, I hear a lot of people will come onto my videos and go, this is a great one to handle. Mine is crazy. I would not stick my hand anywhere near her. She's got a great feeding response. And anytime I open her enclosure now, after her latest molt, she has had two molts after having the babies. After the latest molt, she's really become super flighty and rather skittish. So unfortunately, mine is not one I would handle, but still I can view her from afar and appreciate her beauty. And she holds a huge place in my heart because for me as a keeper, that was one raising her up from a sling. I had heard such, so many conflicting reports that to have her, you know, survive under my care was a big thing for me and such a pretty spider. So that would be number eight. Number nine is going to be the C. Cayenne pubicens or GBB. Again, another one I picked up as a sling. This was one of the first. When I was doing all my research, I saw the blue spiders. I saw the cobalt blue, the C. lividus first. And that was the one I was like, oh my gosh, I got to have this. And then did research and realized, nope, not ready for that yet. Then I found one called a Pisolotheria metallica, or goody sapphire ornamental. And first thought it was Photoshop. Figured out it wasn't Photoshop. Said I need to get one of these. Read about them. And the things I'd read said they were defensive, they could bite you and put you in the hospital. So I'm like, okay, not ready for that yet. So I just basically made my way through the blue ones. And then I saw one called the GBB. And I looked up and I was like, my Lord, this animal is stunning. The green carapace, the metallic green carapace, the blue legs, the orange hairs on the abdomen. I, I was floored. And I'm like, let me guess, this one's going to be an old world with a nasty bite. Found out it was a new world, skittish, a little fast perhaps, could kick some hairs, but overall one that many folks said could be good for a beginner. So I got two slings and now both of them are gorgeous full-grown females, stunning spiders. One of them I recently moved into a bioactive enclosure. I got to get another enclosure for the other one. She'll be going in one as well. And this time I probably won't put <laughs> as many plants in. I put two plants in and although the plants are doing well and I think the place I got, I got them from the bio dude, they chose good durable plants, but it's kind of a waste because they're all covered in web. But these spiders are amazing. Great feeding response. Good growth rate. One of the few spiders that is attractive as a sling, as it is as an adult. The slings are amazing too. I just had somebody comment in one of my videos like, man, I almost wish they just stayed looking like this is a sling. And I got to agree, it would be a cool looking spider if they just stayed, you know, kept that golden look to them. But awesome animals. And mine obviously hold a huge place in my heart because it was one of my first, you know, quote unquote, blue tarantulas and one I raised from a sling. So absolutely got to give love to the GBB. Number six would be Pisolotheria regalis. This would have been, unfortunately, my Vitata, my first Pisolotheria that I ever got. I loved that spider, and she died recently. I don't know if it was old age. She just she was eating well. I was expecting her to molt, and she didn't molt, and then she just got lethargic. It was really depressing for me. It was, you know, that was the one that kind of brought me into Pisolotheria. But the second Pisolotheria I got, and the one I think is just probably, the, in my opinion, Top three most attractive, depending on the day. Number one most attractive, the P. regalis. Again, talking about spiders that have white on them. They have the white and the gray. Just and Even in my artwork, I love black and white stuff. So that was one that I just love the look of her. She's a big, big female, probably about seven and a half inches or so. Older female. Stunning spider, one that I'm thinking about giving, not thinking about, she's probably going to get a bioactive enclosure. The only thing that's holding me back is they tend to poo all over whatever side of their enclosure gets to the light or the sun. So I'm going to have to put her in a place that she'll probably poo all over the door so I can clean the poo off because there's nothing like having beautiful plants and then just 
poof festooning from every angle of the the inside of the enclosure but a gorgeous spider gorgeous piece of Letharia species um, I probably will pick up a couple slings because I'd like to raise a couple more up but one of my favorites and one of Billy's favorites as well she seems to have a thing for the you know the spiders that have the black white and gray so that would be my number six number five this one bounced around a little bit again on a given day she really makes me smile would be my Nandu Trapepi. I always talk about her fluffy little Oh, God, I love that spider. It just looks like a big fluff ball. She's got a quirky attitude where she's kind of skittish, but kind of like curious and will investigate when you open up the enclosure. She'll come right up to the edge sometimes and then kind of sheepishly bolt back to her den and then come out again. Just a weird little spider. I love the looks of her. She's fluffy. She eats great. She's adorable. Just, I don't know, it's something about when I go to feed her. It's always like I'm feeding spiders and a lot of time I enjoy feeding spiders, don't get me wrong, but a lot of times I have so many to feed. It's kind of like, all right, get one out, check the water dish, pull out the bolus, drop in some prey items. Oh, he's cute. Move on. This is one that I'm always giggling when I take her out. Like, oh, here she is, and Billy will come over. Oh, is that that fluff ball? Just love this little thing. She does need a name. I did come up with a name for her at one point, and like a ding dong, I forgot what it was. So apparently that wasn't a proper name. So she is one that'll be getting a name soon. I'm just trying to think of something that comes in. It's almost like a Bambi. Like, she seems like she'd be a bubbly little ditzy blonde or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong. Not that all blondes are ditzes. I don't, those of you out there that are blonde, Billy, when I met her, was a blonde. She's very, very intelligent so i'm not saying blondes are ditch but she just has that kind of bubbly nature to her at least that's what i kind of you know <laughs> i give that those traits to her she's just a spider but she just strikes me as somebody who would be kind of high energy and bouncing around and kind of like hey how you doing i'm bambi so anyway that was weird moving on the next one would be orphanacus philippinus i love these guys for a while they were kind of the symbol the trademark of tom's big spiders i always had the o philippinus when i really started uh, getting the website going the banner was o philippinus i still use that the original little you know tidbit there my original logo that i used it always is orangey color kind of tangerine guess what that was meant to match with the old philippinus the what is it the philippine tangerine i have a lot of people from the philippines that watch my videos and go on my website that we talk about the species all the time because i think they're very proud that it's one from their country love these guys just a gorgeous spider again i had two slings that I picked up from Jamie's way back in the day. They're about three quarters of an inch long. They have that orangey look to them very early on. They were, I believe, my first two fossorial species or some of my earliest fossorial species that I kept. And they bloomed into these beautiful orange beauties. Now, unfortunately, I lost one recently and I was devastated. This was early this year and it was one of the ones that I had rehoused on the substrate that I picked up from Agway. I know everybody's sick of hearing about it, but it was another... The... I don't even think I've allowed myself to really think about the number of spiders I lost because of this substrate. It's because I, I will get like ridiculously angry um, because I did a lot of rehousings that winter. And this was when she had some mold, rehoused her. Next thing you know, she's lethargic, not sure what's going on. Went back, rewatched the rehousing video I did with her. One of the ones I didn't publish. Oh no, I did publish this one. And it was the other substrate. So I, as soon as I figured out what she started going on a downturn, I figured out was that substrate. I pulled her off, tried to get her on new substrate. It was too late. She did the same thing that the other ones did. Eight, 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 came time to molt, wouldn't molt, became slow, lethargic, and died. But anyway, the other one is doing beautifully. She is in a bioactive enclosure. I love every morning I come out, I catch her out. She's in that naturalistic setting, just looks amazing, just an awesome, awesome animal. All right, I think we're at the top three. Now, I have a funny feeling I had two lists I did here, and I think I started with one list and then bounced down to the other one, so I'm sure somebody's going to find out that I skipped a number here. I always do something stupid when I do these lists. One year, I did two of the same number. Not sure I did that. One year, I left the GBB off, or one time, I left the GBB off it. One time, I actually skipped an entire number and went out of order, so... 
Again, hopefully I've got them all. I'll go back and replay it and see if I got them all. But if not, you guys can make fun of me in the comments. Number three, Monocentropus Balfouri. I love these guys. I mean, obviously that communal I set up had that. So I, I liked them to begin with. I like blue spiders. I had originally picked up three years ago that I raised. Two of them ended up being male. One of them was a female. I still have the adult female. No, I've not added her to the communal yet. I'm just a little hesitant to do so. The thoughts there. Plus, I like having her on the side because she's probably going to get bred. I'm going to pull one of those males out and breed. It'll be easier to do with her not being part of the communal. But they're just, they're amazing spiders. So if I have to pick just one, it's going to be that girl. Just that was my first big quote unquote expensive spider when I was getting into the hobby because I was very cheap. I didn't want to buy the spiders that cost too much money, but I ended up buying those three. I got a good deal on them from Ked the Bug Guy. They were a lot cheaper. I think at that point the slings were selling for like 120 bucks each, which was way too rich for my blood. But he had a good deal where he was getting import in. You could get them for like 70 each or something. So I picked up three of them and I grew her up to an adult. She's gorgeous. I love that spider. And that's the one that got me looking into the communals for the Balfouri. So obviously the communals became a huge part of my YouTube channel. And my goal was to document the communals from day one, from every, you know, every month for the most part, for the first year I did an update. And then every time I catch something cool, I do one after that. But the idea was to put something together that anybody interested in a communal could go watch this video and feel confident in doing it. Or I hate to say it, if it didn't go well, there'd be document of that, documentation of that as well, visual documentation. It went well. It went fantastically well. Probably the most rewarding thing I've done in the hobby. So obviously that's that wouldn't have happened if I didn't get this first girl razor and realize how much I love them. She would have been a top choice anyway. And then the communal behavior just puts them up even further. So, you know, M. Balfour, if I had to pick one spider, it's her, but you could almost count the, you can almost count the communal as one spider, right? My M. Balfour communal, can I just put that as number three? Whatever. But that would be my number three. Number two, we have Harpactura, Harpactura, Polkerpes. I am in love with the spider. That just sounds weird. It's some of the stuff out of context. Like if somebody wasn't in tarantulas got a hold of this, they'd never let their kids around me. Like it'd come across some weirdo. Hopefully you guys get where I'm going with this, but I just easily one of my favorite species all time. This was probably the biggest purchase I'd ever made as far as an expensive spider. I had seen these guys, pictures of these guys on arachnoboids when they first came over and started becoming popular. And I was in awe of them. Just something like, I need to own that animal. And I remember almost putting down $300 for a sling. Almost. I didn't quite do it. But I believe Netbug had slings coming in. I'd been trying to find them and I was going to put them in. And they're like, well, if you get two or three, they're $250 each. I couldn't justify the purchase. So I waited and waited and waited and admired these guys from afar. Well, finally, Stamps Tarantula, Stamps is not around anymore, had a deal where you could get a sexed female for, I believe it was 170 bucks, maybe 200 bucks. At that time, the females I'd seen were going for like $400. So I was, I jumped on it and it was at the end of summer. I had like not a lot of money. I get a certain amount of money I can spend over the summer because I get my balloon check for teaching. And I was down like at fumes, but I'm like, I have to have this animal. So I purchased one and to make a very long story short, he originally, I was supposed to get a sex two inch female. I ended up getting a three quarter inch sling, which I wasn't pleased about. So I called, got a hold of him, went through a big hassle. And finally he's like, listen, I'm going to send you 
uh, I, there was a mistake. The guys packed up the wrong one, and then he sent me my female, and, and I still have her. She is gorgeous. Not only was she a beautiful specimen, not only is she a great eater, not only does she grow particularly fast, but she is as laid back as my G. Porteria, G. Rosea. She sits out in the open. I took video of her the other day for the film I was putting together for the beautiful tarantulas, and she just calmly walked around, even with the light of the camera on her, and then when she got sick of the light, just calmly went into her burrow. I've, I've had, I think, one threat pose from her, and the only reason I got a threat pose is I went to drop a cricket in. The cricket bounced off her head and startled her. She immediately calmed down. I've never had any issues of her trying to bolt. She's not skittish. Now, the babies, these slings, are fast as heck, and one of the only the only time I've ever had a sling on my back was one of them so just a heads up but they do seem to settle down when they get larger so awesome species beautiful I, it would be one you know they, the prices are finally coming down on them so for folks looking to get into old world tarantulas I usually talk about either the Balfouri or a H. Polkerpies as far as being good starters there's other ones as well but those are two of my favorite go-tos just amazing animals and my female I just love sometimes I just take her out and feed her and just stare at her for a little while now, number one is going to be, and we're going to have a number one, and then I'm going to have a caveat. So we're going to kind of do it like UFC standings where they have, you know, the one through 10, but then you have your champion. So we're going to do it that way because I technically came up with 11. I was trying to figure out a clever way to include 11. But number one would be what was previously Uathlis species red. Let me get it out of my system because I still call them that all the time. Now, Homeoma chilensis. What can you say? This was the first spider I ever handled and being an arachnophobe for years. I can't tell you what a profound experience it was when this thing started climbing out of it. I first got it. It started climbing out of its enclosure and I put my hand out the catcher and she climbed on my hand. I'm looking, I'm like, oh my God, I'm holding the spider. Now you're talking about a guy who once put his hand on a large garden spider and screamed and ran because he was so terrified. Like the point where I'd look at pictures of them online. I remember looking at piece of Lotharia once when, when I was doing some research on tarantulas and the picture would come up and I'd be like, my heart would start beating fast. I'd start sweating. Like, oh my God, look at that thing. I can't, oh my God, it's, it's huge. It's enormous. It's scary. And got over it. And this was a huge, and again, I, I talk a lot about the fact that I don't actively handle. I don't endorse handling. I get the people handle. I don't argue it. You don't, I don't take the hard stance on it. I don't personally usually do it except for this one. I love this little girl. She's adorable. Every time I open the enclosure, she's out and about exploring, climbs right in my hand. We'll go back in the enclosure. I go to close the enclosure. She's back out in my hand again. I tried to do video of her recently and it ended up me handling her for a while. She was one of the ones I let one of my kids handle. Or actually, two of my uh, son, Roan and Sid, both handled one. They wanted to see what it would be like. So we, we did it carefully. And again, people will say, well, nothing good can come out of handling. Uh, that's not exactly true. I mean, done in my case it was huge for me getting over my arachnophobia I, I needed to do it I did it in a way that the tarantula was not at risk I don't do it all the time I don't pet them I have fuzzy little dogs here that I can play with so it's not like that for me but it, for me and for my kids I think it was a very profound experience they never did it again I don't try to do it she ends up my hand half the time but I'm not trying to do it could I probably keep her in the cage without using my hand yes I could take a cup when she gets out and put her back in but I'm good with putting my hand out there so I love this spider she's adorable she makes me smile I'm glad that she has finally molted and is now eating like a little piggy I dropped a huge cricket in there last night she's eating again this is one of the ones that tends to fast and she we had the one I talked about that didn't eat for two years this one didn't eat for a year and then 
basically molted, shocked the heck out of me, but then came out of it eating. So she's doing great now. I love her. And probably the closest thing I have to like, when people say tarantulas aren't really pets, we kind of keep them, we collect them. This one's a pet. This one's, there's a little more there than just you're a big, you know, hairy spider or a little hairy spider. There's a little more of a connection there that I have to appreciate. So now we've done what's hopefully my top 10. I have a funny feeling I left the number out and somebody will call me on it. But again, I kind of have my notes here and I kind of glance at them and I go off. So I'm not all stilted when I'm talking. But number one, without a doubt, leaps and bounds. I had somebody ask me once, if you could only keep one spider in your collection, which one would it be? Easy. It's the queen. It's my G. Rosea that I've had since the beginning of time. No, I've had a long time though. I think we're on 20... 24 years. I don't want to exaggerate because it's tough because I try to remember, but Billy and I try to figure out when we moved out and, you know, then we got married afterwards and a long story there, but we got her, our first apartment was a tiny little half of a bottom floor of a house, a little tiny little thing. It's about the, I'm looking at my living room right now. My living room isn't particularly large and I have a funny feeling this apartment wasn't much bigger than my living room. But one of the first things I did was bought this one. I've told the story before where I went and met a, an ex, he was a Marine, an active Marine that lived in the town of Chester, uh, Chester, Connecticut. And I went up there and he had all these exotic pets. He had told me that this one was a wild caught specimen that he picked up. She was about four inches or so. So at that point, she was probably close to 10 years old. I picked her up. Uh, She's the one I tell the story where I came home one day and or I got up in the morning, went to check on her and she was on her back. And I'm like, oh, great. She's dead. I was so depressed. I was working in the Marine at that point doing boat repair all day long, thinking about the fact that I was so bummed that my tarantula died, came home, opened that enclosure and just about had a heart attack because there were two in there. I'm like, oh my God, she reproduced like a gremlin. I must've got water on her. I couldn't for a second, I couldn't figure out what happened because that's how little I knew about tarantulas at that time. Nope, she had molted. And one of uh, several she's had in my care, she's gone seven, almost eight years without a molt before. And then after that, molted again two years later. So weird schedule there with the molting. Every time she molts, it's like a big issue in the house because a lot of the older spiders, when they die, they will die during a molt or some of them will. So it's always, it's a very stressful time around here when she goes into a molt. But the last time she molted, she pulled out of it. I was actually shocked she molted, pulled out of it fine. She's been eating fairly well, but I have noticed she seems to have slowed down a little bit, which is making me sad because again, this is the one that kicked it all off. If it wasn't for this spider, there would be no Tom's Big Spiders. It was basically sentimentality that led me into getting deep into the hobby because it was Billy and I sitting there one night just going, man, when she dies, that's going to be depressing. She was there for, you know, four of my kids being born. She's outlived three different dogs. She's been in three different houses, two apartments and two different houses. So four different places. She's been with us since the beginning. So it's kind of like part of our history together. So a lot of sentimental value there. When I take her out and feed her, it's kind of like the whole family gathers around. It's kind of like, you know, when you get the families where like an, you know, a favorite aunt or a grandfather comes over, it's like grandpa and everybody gathers around. It's kind of like that with the spider. Like, oh, oh, you feeding the queen? My son will be walking through the dining room and he'll be like, wait a minute, is that the queen? And everybody comes over and just kind of watches. It's like, she's a huge part of the Moran family. So she would easily be my champion, number one. And if I can only keep one spider, it would definitely be her. I know it shocks some people when I tell them, but just too much history there. So 
There's a list. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, not the list of favorite species, but just spiders that have more of a sentimental value. I love all my spiders. I feel bad leaving anybody off the list. I just realized I did not put my Saracopelma species Panama on it, which is one of my favorites. So that's a glaring omission. So I'm going to be second guessing myself as I usually do when I do a list. But hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And hopefully some of you go over and check out the video I did. Again, very proud of it. And I think it's, uh, it's just something I did that was kind of fun. And I, I thought it was pretty cool. So that will about do it for this one. Again, if you uh, haven't heard, I have a YouTube channel, Tom's Big Spiders. If you like more of the visual stuff or want to see who goes to The Voice, but probably disappoint, but whatever, go over to Tom's Big Spiders. I have the channel, which I've already working on some more articles. Finally, I put some more articles up. You can check that out as well. As always, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys all next time.